You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Our passage is going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You guys can go and have a seat. Our missionaries this week are the Franzinis uh, serving in Italy. And uh, they have some specific uh, prayer requests, and they also have some praises that we're going to celebrate today as well. So... Father God, we thank you for the Franzinis and their willingness to serve you, and uh, we thank you that they're able to meet in their larger church building um, through your provision. You've allowed that. Uh, They also ask that you would help to foster the smaller groups that are out there, and in so doing, bring glory to your name. We also uh, ask that you uh, allow them to move more from a church plant role to an evangelism role, and in so doing, again, share the the love and the provision that you provide. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Glad to be back. We were in Florida for for about a week. It was was great. Uh, The family had different places they wanted to go. I had a list of food I wanted to eat. Um, So... Uh, well, I got on the scale at my mom's house towards the end of our trip, and it said 220 pounds, and I said, Mom, your scale's off. It's broken. It's not... She said, no, actually, it's three pounds off. Like, you should be 220. I'm like, no, it's, it's broken. And um, I went home and uh, was determined to prove my mom wrong, and uh, she was right. So <laughs> I gotta... I'm on a diet now, so... We had sushi, we had pizza, uh, had to stop and get a donut from Dunkin', Sto- Dunkin Donuts. What else? Um, voila, six pounds later. Okay. Well, I am glad to be back um, in Cheyenne. It was, it was good in Florida. I mean, the weather was like 80 degrees and sunny and awesome, but we're happy to be back. Uh, one of the things while in Florida that I just... I just wanted to listen, uh, I wanted to hear from God, and I really felt like God just gave me just some clarity about things while I was away. I, I mapped out a whole sermon series that uh, we'll be starting in February. Um, I didn't feel like I was working, I felt like I was feeding my soul, like my soul was just being fed, and it was just, it was, it was great. And so what I want to do with our time today is, it's going to be... I'm going to share with you our vision mission statement. We unpacked our new vision mission statement about a year and a half ago or so. Uh, so I'm going to just 
share that. In the weeks that come, in about four weeks, we'll just unpack that, uh, and then we'll get into the next sermon series. I want to do that um, first, just our vision mission statement, and then I've got some news I want to share with you, kind of where we're headed, just logistically as a church family, and in the right remainder of the time that I have, the remainder of the time, I just want to encourage you. It's been, it's been crazy. Like we had five, we're in for a bumpy ride, you know, 2021, and then boom, Wednesday hit. So uh, we're in for a bumpy ride for 2021, I think. Um, I want to encourage you. That's my goal. Uh, encourage you and challenge you, I guess would be the best way to, to explain that. So our vision statement a group of us you know, got together shortly after I became the new lead pastor of Meadowbrook, uh, a core group that represented Meadowbrook, and we got together, spent a weekend together, and out of that came our uh, vision statement. Who do we, what do we want to become? What kind of church do we want to be? That's a vision statement. And this is what it says. We exist to develop followers of Jesus who prayerfully engage their communities with the gospel. That's the vision statement. Now, I was thinking about how do we get there? That's called a mission statement. You know, the mission statement is how you get there. Um, and the way we get there is just by changing one of the, one of the words uh, in, in our vision statement. We aim to develop followers of Jesus by, by prayerfully engaging our communities with the gospel. The, the catalyst for everything that we do as a church family, as we engage Cheyenne of God that has any with the gospel, uh, is prayer. No movement of God that has any, had, any, had any lasting effect start, uh, started without prayer. It always started with prayer. C.H. Spurgeon, famous uh, pastor in uh, England in the 1800s, uh, this, the church was, was blowing up in a good way, um, some folks came to the church and wanted to know, you know, what the secret was, and uh, he had mentioned to them uh, that, it, well, it happens in the boiler room, and they're like, the boiler room? Like, yeah, the boiler room, I want me to show you in. And they're like, yeah, let's, let's see the boiler room. They were thinking like a boiler room, and they, so Spurgeon led them to this room where there were a group of people praying. That was the boiler room. And um, I want to be that church. We're not there yet, but I, wanna, I want to be that church. I think the other thing that the Lord really impressed upon my heart, I really do believe this is from God, um, we're going on a year in this pandemic. It's time to move forward. Like, I mean, precautions have been taken. There's a vaccine, multiple vaccines that are uh, out and will soon be available to people. So we're going to, in the in very near future, not immediately, but in the very near future, I'm hoping within, within a month or so, we're going to nix the first uh, worship service. And we're going to go back to two worship services. And uh, we're going to keep the 11 o'clock the same. And I'm not sure where we'll start the first service, but what, this, is what we, this is what we want to do. This is what I want to do. I want to create enough space between both of those services that that time in between is a time for prayer. And so uh, the word that came to mind, not because we're, we belong to Converge Rocky Mountain, 
the word that came to mind is converge. Meadowbrook converge. Like we're converging together in prayer, seeking God. I want that to be sacred space. Uh, that doesn't mean people can't be in the auditorium when that's happening, but like this area, this front area, just, we just gather together for prayer. For those in the first service, after it's over, pray, they can pray, and those who come to the second service come early to pray. I want us to develop a culture of prayer. And uh, so that's, that's where we're going. Um, we're going to start a sermon series. This is the I, I, I think I mapped out 20 weeks. We're going to take our time uh, in Daniel. I feel like I, I read and studied Daniel all throughout the summer just to feed my own heart and soul and to, speak, to have my, my weary heart kind of spoken to. And um, I thought at that time, hey, this would be a really great sermon series. And then I thought, no, maybe we'll do Micah. I want to do something in the Old Testament. I'll do Daniel sometime. Maybe I'll do Micah instead. And God kept bringing me, I really do believe, God kept bringing me back to Daniel. You know why? Because <laughs> uh, Daniel was forcefully removed from his home um, to a place where the people of God were not considered to be friends. They were considered to be the enemy in Babylon. And uh, in the process of being taken there, he was castrated as a young boy, as a teenager, um, like he went through pretty much the meat grinder, uh, so to speak, as, as a person who faithfully followed the Lord from youth all the way through his, uh, until he died. And so Daniel has a lot to say to people who are trying to, who want to be faithful to God in the midst of a culture that wants nothing to do with God. We have some things to learn through Daniel like how to respond to governmental entities who do not like God or you. Daniel's a great model for that. So we're going to start that. And what better day to start that than uh, Valentine's Day? So bring your spouse, and we'll talk about Daniel, introduce Daniel, and talk about how he was castrated when, uh, when he was a, a teenager. So, um, you know. Oh, there's a kid in here. What does castrate mean, mommy and daddy? <laughs> Go home and talk about it. All right. Um, so that's coming. In, in January, on January 5th, 2019, I, uh, again, just shortly after I was hired to be your lead pastor, I felt God uh, just impressed on, on my heart, where we're headed as a church, uh, things that I really believe passionately, passionately about. And, and so I pre preached two weeks uh, out of uh, Acts chapter 2, just what was the church like, why can't it be that way today? And um, two things that I said in that message towards the end is I said, we are going to launch life groups. So we did that. We're going to relaunch life groups in February. The, I really believe the preaching of God's Word is a supernatural thing that God has used since the birth of the church to be done corporately to change and shape uh, the life of God's people. I also believe that that, that direction and, and vision comes from the pulpit through the Word of God. I really believe that. But spiritual formation... The best place for that to happen is in life groups or small groups, in a context where you're with a group of people you trust and you can share what's going on in your life in a, in a place where you know it's pretty safe to do that. Uh, life groups, uh, I really want us to be this kind of church where life groups becomes the main artery of where spiritual formation happens. 
and relationships are built. So we have life groups that are happening. Our li- we love our life group. We, we're pretty tight in our life group. We want, we want other, other people who are not in a life group to be able to get plugged into a life group. That, that is going to happen. Dan, uh, Dan Nelson, who preached last week, Pastor Dan, uh, he's on the elder board. He's still part of Meadowbrook, but he's no longer on staff where he was overseeing that. Uh, myself and Michaela and the rest of the staff, Jonathan, like, we'll be overseeing that and, and until somebody else comes. And now the, the part where I want to encourage you. Uh, service is going to go a little long, just so you know. I, I, I warned the nursery workers so I don't get killed afterwards. But all of history is moving in this direction. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 12 through 14, this is where history something. So Jesus suffered out and is going. I'm going to uh, read it for you and, and point out something. So Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. What was outside the gate? Golgotha, the place where Jesus was crucified. Therefore, let us go to him. <laughs> Why? Because we're not meant to be safe. We're not called to safety. Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured for why? Why should we do this? What's the motivation? For we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that, what, is to come. We have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. Like, I, 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 feel, I, I feel like I knew or I sensed that some difficult days were coming for the church. I think before COVID came. I just kind of sensed that this was going to happen. Um, and then COVID hit, and I thought, well, there, here we are. But really, COVID, you know what COVID is? It's a catalyst. It's a catalyst for other things that are coming. And, and I feel like the church in America has lost her way. We have no lasting city here. Every nation, including America, has a shelf life. We do. And, and this is what's encouraging. We're seeking a city that is to come. I, I said this like three weeks ago. Like the, there is one kingdom, there's one kingdom that has endured from the beginning and will endure for all of eternity. That's the kingdom of God. Every other kingdom, every other empire, every other nation has had it has had its own shelf life. Uh, certain nations, certain empires have ex- experienced a certain season of power and, and dominance. But, but we don't belong to that city. We belong to a city that is coming. I need to remind myself of that often, especially as of late. Like on Wednesday, I had to remind myself, this, this is not home. I'm not home yet. I'm not home yet. Home is coming. So what am I supposed to do in the meantime? We're supposed to be about the mission. Because all of history is moving in a direction. It's moving in a direction where God's name will be renowned. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 11, this is, this is where it's going. This is what God said. Um, From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nation, de- declares the Lord. That's where all of history is moving. And we're a part of that. Like, that should be encouraging to us. This is not as good as it gets. I, I, I think what we saw over the summer, 
with the riots and what we saw on Wednesday, the group of people who really believe that this is as good as it gets. This is not as good as it gets. And I said this before, the, for the Christian, for the person who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus, and this is the, 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 the motivation that should propel us to share the gospel with, uh, with every opportunity that we have, is, is this, that for most people, the, what they experience today is the closest they will ever come to experiencing heaven. And for us, it's the closest that we will ever come to experiencing hell. And so, so we are longing for a city that is to come. And so our vision statement, our mission statement, was like all good church mission statements ought to be, was informed by Malachi chapter 1, verse 11, Matthew chapter 28. We aim to develop followers of Jesus by prayerfully engaging our communities with the gospel. Why? Because the greatest need of Cheyenne, the greatest need of Wyoming, is not a new president or the same president, not Republicans or not Democrats, not face masks, not vaccines, but Jesus Christ, period. And that's what we need. And I feel like we've, we've kind of lost our way. And so uh, like, why is it that in the church we're experiencing the most division that we've ever experienced in the church in America? I think, anyway. It feels that way. We've got people who, who you know, who will leave over face masks being in the church or not being, or when, like, over the summer, or not, I don't know when it was, when I, when I spent a couple Sundays talking about equality, racial equality, when I addressed Black Lives Matter, I had people on both sides angry with me. With me. How, is it, how is it that we've come to that point where it's not the love that, we, that, that we've experienced by God and, and the love that we have for one another that binds us, but but we think it's politics or, or something else. And so sandwiched in, in, the, in the middle of the greatest sermon ever preached in the history of mankind, was preached by Jesus, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, uh, leading up to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said this about his followers, said this about the church, said this about you and about me. You are the salt of the earth. That's in chapter 5, verse 13. In chapter 5, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. In verses 38 through 39, it says, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. The Satanic Bible, you know what the Satanic Bible says? There's a verse in the Satanic Bible. Anton LaVey's Bible, who's, he's in hell now, but he... He didn't turn out the way that he thought it would. Um, just saying. <laughs> he said, like in one of the verses, if anybody slaps you on the cheek, crush theirs. Jesus said, if anybody slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. In verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Now, is Jesus discounting the role of justice? We should stand up for justice as, as the people of God. We should stand up for the innocent and for those who are weak and, and, and who can't defend themselves. We should, we should stand up for all of that. Now, we're, I, somebody in my uh, Kempo class wants to organize a March for Life uh, rally. I'm all for that. Um, we should stand up for things that are good and right. But then Jesus prayed, he gave us the Lord's Prayer, not as a mantra that we recite, but as a template for the way we should pray, to remind us of who we're praying to and why. 
why we're praying. And then, after that, he continued his Sermon on the Mount. Like in chapter 6, verse 19, he said this. We Americans, need to, we need to hear this. I need to hear this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In verse 34, he said, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. In chapter 7, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Like, Jesus said those things. <laughs> Not a politician. Jesus said those things. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I posted something on Facebook. and I should not post anything else. On, I shouldn't post anything on Facebook. But I posted something on Facebook. Uh, it was a quote from C.H. Spurgeon. And he said something to the effect of, you know, you cannot defeat Satan with Satan. You cannot defeat evil by, with evil. Uh, the most powerful weapon that the Christian has is love. Like the... Like, when the world's looking at us, they should see not a church divided, but that we but love. That we love one another because, because of the great love that we experienced by God himself. So, about a year and a half, some odd months ago, I unpacked our vision statement and our mission statement, and I gave, you, I gave six reasons why prayer is necessary, why it's included in our vision statement. I added one, so I have seven reasons now why uh, we put prayer in our vision and mission statement. I just want to walk through those um, as quickly and clearly as possible. And the first is this, because prayer, okay, prayer, uh, and this is my seventh one, and I'm kind of, I'll mention again, but prayer the kind of prayer that Jesus modeled for us reorients his people to what really matters. Okay? So we pray, or we must pray because God is our Heavenly Father. I, when Matt Chandler was diagnosed, he's a pastor in Texas, was diagnosed with stage 4 brain cancer, he said something that really stuck with me and continues, I continue to think about it. He said, as he was wrestling with his the, his mortality, and the very real possibility that he was going to die. Uh, he said that, the, that God spoke to him, like just impressed on his heart certain truths. It was as if God said to him, I am a better husband to your wife than you will ever be. I am a better father to your children than you will ever be. Uh, that stuck with me. God is a better father than you will ever be or have ever experienced on this earth. He is. I, I, it's been a, you know, once COVID hit, I decided to preach through Romans. Romans chapter 8 is like one of my favorite passages. Most of you know that by now, right? Verse 14 says this. Let's, uh, let's read this together. Um, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. Like the God of all creation that spoke the galaxies into existence, we can call him Dad or Daddy. 
I mean, don't you think he loves you and cares about you? I guarantee you, regardless of who you voted for on the left or on the right, God was not in heaven when, when things kind of got crazy and Wednesday happened. He wasn't in heaven thinking, well, I wish I would have thought of that. Where was I? <laughs> Did I daydream? Did I take a nap? Like, what happened? I mean, I've had moments like that where I'm driving and I'm like in a different location than I originally planned because, you know, daydreaming. Um, but God doesn't do that. He doesn't take vacations. He, he wants our best. And, and, and what's our best at times isn't easy. And it's not pain-free. We pray because God is our Heavenly Father. We can go to Him. He, we have His ear. We have His attention. Um, all throughout my pastoral life, my children have known that they can come anytime into my office. They don't have to knock. They don't have, they, why? Because they're my kids. God invites us to do the same. Secondly, we must pray because God is God. That's something that I think we tend to forget. He's God. I don't know if uh, you had the chance to read my e-letter that I sent out um, Friday, but uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, the very first verse says, in the year that King Uzziah died. You know who Uzziah was? He was the king of Israel, right? King of Judah. And, and so uh, what happened to him was, he was the king, and it got to his head, and he thought, you know what? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do the way, what I want to do because I'm the king. And so he decided he was going to go into the temple knowing that it was only the priests that got incense. And they tried to stop him. He said, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And God said, oh, wait a second. Um, I will. <laughs> and he had leprosy. And for like the last 11 years of his life, about 11 years of his life, he was constrained <laughs> in a room um, where he had no, no human interaction. Um, you think COVID's bad, try leprosy, <laughs> right? Uh, and that's how he died. And, and Isaiah said, in the year that he died, you know what he saw? He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and seated on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And, and, and the angels were singing and the thresholds of the temple, like the foundations of the temple shook as they sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Like Isaiah said, I saw that. You know why he saw it? Because God wanted to remind him, even though the earthly king had died, God was still reigning and ruling. And regardless of what happens in America, um, God is still reigning and ruling. I, I really hesitated. Maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe I should have just shared it when I was preaching through the five solas when we're giving away Bibles and stuff. Uh, I wanted to share a quote, and I just thought, thought maybe this is not the right time, by John Calvin, who said that when God, before God judges a nation, he gives that nation wicked kings or wicked leaders. I think we've had a long season of wicked leaders. Not, we're not just getting one. We've had them. <laughs> and now some of you are like, oh, I'm angry. I, I love Trump. Or I, whatever. I gotta shut up. Uh, so, um, we must pray because God's kingdom is coming. 
This is encouraging. That's what I need to be reminded of. Like, I, I mean, like, since, since the, the rioting happened over the summer, or I guess I forget when it started, I just think it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And then when Wednesday happened, it was just, I needed to be reminded. I needed, needed to remind myself that we are praying for the coming of God's kingdom. It's coming. Maybe not on our schedule, <laughs> but it's coming. It's coming. There's a passage in, in, in 1 Peter that I want us to read together. It's just a good reminder of who we are. Let's read it together. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Let's stop there. Ready? We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You know who it's describing? The church. Uh, from where? Every nation and people group. We are that nation. We are God's treasured possession. Uh, why? Let's read on. We'll start with that. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Listen, 80% or more of people who live in Wyoming do not know Jesus. 80% of more or more are people who are in that category of not a people, <laughs> not God's people, people who have not received his mercy. We, in the, you know, the church at Meadowbrook and other churches that, make it, that, that, that fill uh, Wyoming, we're God's people. And the greatest need of those in Wyoming is Jesus. And we're fighting about stupid stuff in the church. We are. I mean, it's, 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 it, I, 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 this is not a pity party for me, it, but it's kind of hard being a pastor right now. Because we're compelled and we're told as, as pastors to preach the Word of God. And you know what that means? That means preaching what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Things are not the way that they should be. But as we anticipate God's kingdom, we know, we know that God's going to make all things new. We're citizens of a different kingdom. The ethics that are true of the kingdom we belong to are not true of America or China or Iran or any other nation. But it's what, what, it ought to be what unites us. And so, fourth, we, we pray because it is God who provides for our needs. Give us our daily bread. Jesus said, look, <laughs> I said, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Then he goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Like sometimes there's a season for God's people that's hard. In fact, last time I checked, when I, as I read my Bible, those seasons outnumbered the seasons on this earth that are good. Don't believe me? I mean, like, Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve have a child. What was, what was his name? Those of you who know. Cain, 
Eve said, oh, this is at last the child that God promised. He promised me this child. They had hopes and dreams for Cain. How did that turn out? Not good, <laughs> right? Some of you know that based on your own experience. Like, well, my kid, same thing. Um, didn't murder anybody, but I kind of feel like murdering him um, or her. So, so then you had Abel, who, who loved God and worshipped God. And what did Cain do to Abel? He murdered him. He murdered him. And, and so, you know, we see seasons uh, like this all through the Bible and in our own experience. But listen, God does not waste tears and he does not waste hurts when it comes to his people. Suffering is a, it's a fire that God uses to burn the dross out of our lives. And it sucks. Uh, I mean, like Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And my father's going to come along and prune the branches. If branches or if, if vines could speak when they're being pruned, do you know what they would say? Ouch. <laughs> Don't do that, right? Well, we do the same thing. <laughs> like cancer, ouch. <laughs> A wayward child, ouch. God doesn't waste pain. And, and when evil finds its way into our lives, God is in the business of using evil and turning it around and making it into something beautiful in our lives. He is. I mean, look at the cross of Jesus. Most evil thing that ever happened in human history. Mankind arrested God, murdered him, and nailed him to a cross uh, to do that Why he hung naked before a jeering crowd. That was evil. But the Bible tells us it was lawless men that put him on the cross, but it was God's predetermined plan that he died for our sins. So we, we also pray because of our failures. Oh my goodness, I'm already late. All right, let me rush through this. We pray because of our failures and God's faithfulness. I spent five weeks leading up to Christmas talking about the fact that, that God knows the dark stuff in us. He sees it more clearly than even you or I see in our own lives. And he pursues us anyway. He's not disgusted by us. He sent his son to die for us. We pray because of our failures and God's faithfulness. Forgive us of our sins or our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. We who have been forgiven much ought to be the most forgiving people on planet Earth. Six. We, we must pray because we are, uh, we are our greatest enemy when it comes to our own sin, and Jesus is our greatest advocate. Lead us not into temptation. Seven, and this is where I'm going to camp on, and we're going we're to get ready for communion. We must pray because we have lost our way, and prayer is the compass to guide us to where we need to be. The Lord's Prayer guides us to If we pray like Jesus prescribed for us, it will guide us to where we need to be. Have a hard time forgiving somebody in your life? Um, let's see. What did Jesus say about that? <laughs> right? Uh, have a hard time understanding, wondering if whether or not God loves you? What did Jesus say about that? Our Father, who art in heaven. Have a hard time with, in terms of what's happening in America right now? It's not our kingdom. We are the light in this nation that is the church because we carry the gospel with us. 
The church has never been more divided and fractured than I think it is today. Maybe, maybe well, during the Civil War, you can make a case for that, but since then, I don't think it's been as divided as it is today. We're arguing over stupid stuff and dividing over stupid stuff. Yeah. It's funny because during this season I've been, I've been accused of being too left-leaning and then too right-leaning. I'm like... And all of our history is moving towards Malachi chapter 1, verse 11. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great amongst the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Here's what I want to do. We're going to celebrate communion, but we're going to do it differently. Uh, we're going to have the lights dim, and there's going to be a, a video that um, I'm going to show in a second. And during that video, it's, going, it's a music video, the, a group of people singing Amazing Grace from all different places in the world. This video reminded me just of, this is who we're supposed to be that we've experienced forgiveness on the greatest of levels because of a Heavenly Father who loves us so much and that we who have been forgiven should also be, should also be the most forgiven people on planet Earth and that the world, when they see anything in our world right now, they should see in the church a people who love one another. That's how the world will know that we belong to Him. Jesus said that, not Keith. Jesus said that. He prayed that for us. And so when you're ready, as you watch this video, then you can take the bread and take the cup when it's appropriate to you, and then I'll come up to close us out. And then when you go pick up your kids, just say, um, just say, I'm sorry. <laughs> and maybe get them a gift card next time or something. All right, if we can watch the video, it'll be great.
So much has changed in our world lately. 疫情中这么多人失去生命，显明了生命的脆弱与短暂。Pero la asombrosa gracia y amor de Jesús es más fuerte que la vida y la muerte. Wo auch immer du bist, ruf seinen Namen an. Jesus. 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 Jesus Christ. Jesus. Don't wait another day. That's what unites us. Every service I get choked up over that. Worthy are you to take the scroll. We sang about that in a song. We sang that song, and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and political spectrum. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, and wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And all God's people said, "Amen." That's what unites us. And I feel like the church is the church. We need to repent of our divisiveness and be united in our love for one another—a love that's bound by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died for our every sin. He went to a cross for the the darkest parts about you and me, and he was buried on a third day. He rose from the grave, all for you and for me. We should be the most loving, happiest, <laughs> courageous people on planet Earth, because we know at the end it's not a face mask or a vaccine, although there's wisdom in both of those, that's going to save us. It is the cross. Of Jesus Christ, He rose on the third day. He's coming back, and when He comes back, He's bringing with Him the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for every single one in this room watching the live stream here. God, may we be united, be known for our love as we go and and and, and, and to bring the gospel and and power. To bring the gospel into into our city, 
into this state, into this nation, into this world for your glory and for the good of all those who need to be saved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.